Welcome to People with Purpose. So many people are looking for meaning, but they don't know where to start. Imagine a world where everyone could just get their purpose out of them and then actually make it happen. I'm David Roberts, and I believe that we all have a purpose, and with focus and a little help, people with purpose make a difference. And this show is where these stories come to life. Welcome to another episode of People with Purpose. Today, I'm joined by Anne Visser, who is a coach, speaker, and a trainer with Better Forever, uh, which uh, Anne co-founded with her husband, um, big on relationships, uh, and also equipping uh, women with the communication skills needed to create closer connections. So Anne, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, David. It's a pleasure to be here on the People with Purpose podcast. There you go. Bit of nicely said. Bit of a mouthful, isn't it? Lots of peas in there, but uh, but yeah, we get through it. We get through it. So you're in Canada. I am in Eastern Canada, Prince Edward Island. It's a beautiful island. It's called the Million Acre Farm because it's so pretty. And of course, we have wonderful, it's a foodie place, David. You have to come and visit us here. Yeah, yeah. I'd love to go. Canada is definitely on my list. I'm I'm I've I've been to uh, I've been to the US, but but over 20 years ago. And uh I've got that whole part of the world to explore because I'd love to uh, come to Canada. And I've got some distant relatives in Canada, so that that would be great. Um, I'd also like to go to South America. And what, what I love about that whole continent or that whole landmass is that you've got such. I mean, obviously, it's huge. We've got such diversity of cultures and of of environments and all of that kind of stuff. It's um, it's incredible. We do have great diversity here. We have a great Scottish heritage here, actually, and a Celtic feel to parts of our island as well as. Very strong French uh, community here on Prince Edward Island. And now the diversity is just through the roof. Uh, when you walk down the streets in our capital city, you see people from every walk of life, which is very, it's beautiful and wonderful to see. Yeah, yeah. I actually went on some uh, some training, some diversity and inclusion training uh, just last week. And it is incredible when you think about the, the, um, the sort of experience that, that, that you've had. And, and so I look at myself as a kind of a, a white male and I look at pe- people around me and you know, different genders, uh, different uh, races, different uh, sexual persuasions, all of those kind of things. And, um, and yeah, and it, it, it's helpful to be reminded of, of the fact that actually as a, a white male that you've had, you've had some privilege. And even if you, you haven't necessarily experienced it yourself, uh, in, in a kind of a really acute way, there's kind of thousands of years in a way of kind of that, that privilege, if you like, that, that, that stacks up, isn't there? So, so yeah, so encouraging different people from different cultures to get involved and, and to create a, you know, a new culture is something that I find fascinating. And that's happened within our own family, David. We have five adult children and um, they've married uh, people from different walks of life. And it's added so much um, beautiful nuances to our family, Mm. so much joy. Uh, And it's been wonderful to get to know them. And they're part of our family now. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. So tell us a bit about your, um, your story then, because you're, you're a coach now and, and big on relationship coaching, but how did you get into that? <laughs> I get into that because of our own very personal story. I uh, met a young man in high school. I shamelessly chased him is how I put it. I did. <laughs> 
And I just wanted a date. And then three years later, we married. And um, I still remember the photographer saying to us, David, he said, I've never seen anyone look at each other the way the two of you look at each other. We were pretty crazy in love. Mm. Yeah. And then uh, the year, the month after we married, I was pregnant and very sick, very sick on the couch. And that's a hard way to start marriage. Mm. And then I had, we had five children in six years. And so busy, busy home life. Yeah. And my husband is a farmer uh, here on Prince Edward Island, and he works long hours. And I often felt like a single mom. And so we were crazy in love. And then we had these external pressures that were pressing in on our marriage. But then we had these internal pressures because I didn't know how to communicate. I didn't know how to talk about what was happening inside of me as I was kind of getting lost in, in all these needs that were needed with in our own family and then uh, my husband's needs as well. So I didn't know how to fight or conflict well, and neither did he, it turns out. And so this um, separateness grew in our marriage, this creeping separateness, this emotional space. And I still remember the moment that changed everything everything for us too. Um, it was some years later, we were sitting in our farm truck outside our favorite restaurant. I don't know why these things happen on dates, but uh, yes, I do know why, because we had five little ones at home and it was the only moment we had to talk. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> That's why. yeah, yeah. Uh, and so, but I said to him in that moment, I said, I can't, I can't do this anymore. And I could see the panic in his eyes. And he said, what, like, what do you mean? Like, what do you mean you can't do this anymore? And I said, I can't do marriage like this anymore. I said, we just keep hurting each other. We go around and around the same old thing. We never resolve anything. And I'm so tired and I'm so hurt. And that statement, that real conversation, it, it hit his heart in a way that enabled him to open up to me about what was happening inside of him, which I had actually missed. I, I hadn't seen his pain. And in that moment, we said, okay, we need to get the help that we need in order to get well again, because we knew what it was like to love one another. And we did not like this space between us. Mm -hmm. And that pivotal conversation, it put me on a personal growth journey to discover more about me and what was happening inside of me that had contributed to the challenges within our marriage. And it put us on a couple growth journey to get better together. And we, as it turns out, we learned that we were not very good communicators. <laughs> And we needed skills that we were lacking to be able to communicate more effectively and more powerfully to help each other really get to know what was going on in each other's lives. And we needed skills to be able to conflict in healthy ways that would actually pull us closer together instead of driving us further apart. Mm -hmm. And so very soon after, you know, that decision to get the help we needed, it gave us new hope. But then we had a whole lot of process to walk out, a whole lot of skills to learn and apply. But as we started to apply those skills that we were learning, we looked at each other and we said, we can't keep this to ourselves. We have to share this with other people. There must be other couples out there who are struggling, who are struggling. They, they're not toxic but they're struggling because they don't have the skills that they need in order to be healthy together. 
And so that is what started this journey to, um, I, we started to host, uh, we started to partner with local churches and host marriage weekends. And then we started to host longer classes, like nine week classes and people came, (laughs) people came. And then I started to work with women. I found really found my niche in working with women and in part because it was the woman who was often coming for help, unfortunately, or maybe fortunately, I don't know, but that's just the reality of what it was. It was often the woman that was coming for help. And so I started to work with women and I recognized that one can make a difference in a decent, like a, a relationship where it's not toxic. Mm-hmm. It's really interesting. And, oh, sorry, yeah. You carry on. If you've got more to say, then you carry on. Well, I just want to say, say about that, that even if it is toxic and I'm working with a woman, she eventually works through that process and figures out this is not going to change. I can't do more here and I can help her then to, to walk away from a relationship that's not going to change. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So, um, well, uh, so I was going to ask you, uh, because you said, um, there was something inside of you or, or that stuff was going on inside of you. So, 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 do you mind sharing a bit about what that was? Oh, sure. Absolutely. Uh, part of it, it's kind of funny because the person who is the most kind of upset or it could be volatile gets the most attention. And as it turns out, that was not me. Okay. <laughs> and sometimes my husband will look at me and he would say, and what is your part in this? Mm-hmm. And I knew I had a part and I knew I had a role. But it took me some time to figure out what that was. And I am a recovering people pleaser. My name is Anne, and I am a recovering people pleaser. (laughs) (laughs) And that was my role in it. And so I just kind of folded and caved into whatever he wanted and whatever he was doing and didn't speak up often enough. And so, and not to his um, this is, this is me. This is my, my role and my part to play in what was happening within our marriage. He was, he's a strong man. He's a beautiful man. Uh, uh, and so it was easy just to go along with him. He knows what he wants. He knows who he is and what he's about. It was very easy. And it wasn't until we were walking a beach and I was already on this path and on, we were already growing and working together, but it became really obvious to me. We're walking a beach in Mexico and he looked at me and he said, how about today you decide everything, everything that we do today, simple decisions. And the next thing out of my mouth was, I think we'll do Mexican tonight. What do you think? And he looked at me and he said, it's your decision. You get to choose. You do it. I did that multiple times that day. And that's a little story about a little bit of the chaos that happens in a people-pleasing relationship. When, when one person doesn't know what they want, they don't know how they're feeling, they don't know how to express what's happening inside of them, it's very hard to know a people pleaser. It's very hard to get to know a people pleaser because they never really come up front and say, this is who I am. This is what I like. This is what I want. Yeah. That was my part. Okay. Okay. And so um, people pleasing is something that that comes up quite a lot. I mean, are there any, uh, uh, is there any evidence to say how many of us lead on people pleaser rather than on other um, drivers? <laughs> 
That's a really good question that I can't really, I can't honestly answer, okay. but I do know that the women that I work with, they tend to lean toward being extraordinarily nice and kind and people pleasing. You know, the problem, the biggest problem that I discovered about my people pleasing is I was not being honest with myself. Right. Right. Yeah. Because people pleasing can be a real strength, can't it? But if it, the, what they say, an excessive use of a strength becomes a weakness. And I guess part of the reason why I asked the question that I asked is because naturally I'm, I'm, I, I'm a people pleaser as well. And, uh, and a lot of people I, I come across, um, that th they're in that kind of, uh, mode where they've been through a period in their lives where they've, um, they've got to a point where they've realized actually that, pleasing other people is not actually pleasing themselves and and it has been them that has been slow to realize that and they've not set out new boundaries or or, or whatever and obviously if you if you realize that i guess that's a change that the other person might not be might not be useful used to so i mean it's a case of how do you go about having that conversation with with somebody that you've been pleasing routinely for perhaps years Yes, and that's a part of what I teach uh, my people is how to have those pivotal conversations like I had in the truck that night when I was at the end of my rope. We can have those conversations much sooner. Mm. Uh, we don't have to go to the bottom in order to have those conversations. And it's so much better. Um, it, and one of the things that I discovered, I was afraid to fight. I was afraid to conflict. Mm. And But what I discovered and what I learned in one of the very first lessons that we had to learn together was that conflict is the doorway mm. to intimacy. Okay. As in into me, you see. And so when we conflict really well, I get to see into you and you get to see into me. But then I discovered not only that, I get to see into me too, because there are things that I may not be saying that are deep down inside those unconscious thoughts and beliefs and ideas that I have, that I'm not even aware of myself, that in the midst of a conflict, they tend to come out what is really inside tends to come out that a people pleaser is actually kind of pushing down mm. because maybe she feel or she or he feels like it's just not appropriate. It's just not kind. Um, my people would tend to be say, that's not nice. I can't do that. Mm. Mm. And so this is what I do is to teach people and we call it the three C's of pivotal conversations. And that first C is to be aware of what's going on inside and so that's, we say it's to check emotions. Okay. And so I, I teach people to journal the questions that I've, I've journaled and have helped me so much. And that is to, what am I thinking? What am I feeling? What is worrying me right here? Because sometimes what, when I ask myself that question, sometimes what I think is worrying me is not really the big thing. And so what is worrying me? Is it just a great question to be able to answer for yourself? And then what is it that I really want? Once I check those emotions and check those, answer those questions for myself, I'm so much better equipped to go into a conversation. And often, you know, people will say to me, yeah, but I can't prepare. What if it happens on the spot? But the thing is, often these conversations, they do come up over and over again. So I know it's going to come again. So I can get my heart ready, mm. get myself ready and get my motives ready. And that's the next thing that I like to check, you know, check those motives. What's going on? Why is it that I want to have this conversation? And so, you know, I remember uh, uh, sitting around the kitchen table with my adult daughter 
and uh, I have permission to tell this story. <laughs> I, I permission's important for a people pleaser. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. but I think it's respectful too. Yeah. And so I was telling her, you know, I need to have this conversation with our son, her brother. Uh, it's a boundary conversation, and I was talking to her about that, and then all, all of a sudden I blurted out, "I just don't trust him." And the room got very quiet. And she looked at me and she said, mom, you better check that. That's awful. <laughs> Don't you love it when your older kids tell you like it is and you know it's true? It happens, <laughs> you know it's absolutely true. It happens a lot in my house. Yeah, 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 yeah. I knew as soon as it was out of my mouth that I had a problem. Yeah. And so I went to what I call my thinking chair and I went through those questions. And I didn't even get through to the final question before I realized, wait a minute, I'm stuck back in 2005 when we had challenges raising this young man, but he's not there anymore. Uh, my emotions were not current with his emotions. Hmm. And so just going through that process, when I went to have that conversation with him, it was done in no time. There was nothing to it. It wasn't a big deal. But I am confident, I am sure, I would have sabotaged that pivotal conversation if I had not checked my emotions and checked the motives of my heart. You know, I was protecting myself because I was saying to myself, I can't trust him. Yeah. How important is it for us to understand our own heart and our own thoughts our own desires so that we can actually express those to another person. And so that's the first C of pivotal conversations. Okay. Cause, um, and I want to, I want to know what the other two C's are, but I need to ask you this question first. So, so, um, when it comes to checking in with yourself, that's, that's great. And that bit, that self-awareness so powerful, but then part of the art of communication is communicating in a way that the message is going to be received. Uh, and, and receive well. So it's having that understanding for where the other person might be. So does that come into your three C's in any way? <laughs> Absolutely. That's the second C. Which awesome. Is awesome. There you go. There you go. I've not even been on the course. So go, go on, go and hit me with the second C then. <laughs> that's right. And that's to communicate those thoughts and feelings and, and what's really troubling you, but also to be aware that number one, timing matters. Mm -hmm. it, it can make or break a pivotal conversation. So it needs to be a good time for both people. Mm. And I learned this as my husband was rushing out the door. He's a he's a manager. He manages people on the farm. He has a lot of people that that don't start work unless he's there. <laughs> and I would I would meet him at the at the entrance and say, oh, by the way, and he's like trying to get out the door. Not a good time. Timing matters. And it, it has to be a good time for both people. Mm. Uh, you know, end of the evening is not a good time for for us, either of us to have an important conversation. And so timing matters. And that's one of the principles that we teach. But the other one is to be concise and stick to the facts about what's going on so that you can manage your emotions in the middle of a pivotal conversation. Sometimes my people use a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of words, but don't get to the point. Hmm. And then there, and if I'm working with a couple, I'll say, do you know what, do you know what the point is here? And he might go, no, or she might go, no, hmm. <laughs> and get them to try it again, because they need to be concise, get to the point of, but what's really important here. And that's why that journaling can really help you get to the point yeah. of the discussion. And the set, and the third principle that we teach is to be assertive without attacking. 
And, you know, those I statements that he teaches, they really are powerful. I feel instead of you did this and you did that, because that comes across as blaming, accusing, attacking, and immediately it puts our defenses up and that stops the conversation before it even gets started. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. Yeah, definitely. Um, learning how to um, ask questions, I suppose you kind of learn these these questioning skills in a, in a kind of a work context, don't you? But actually, the sort of the the powerful, um, you know, open questions that, that that you can use that 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 don't then lead into an assumed position on something. I totally agree with you. Using the word you. You, you always might as well be pointing a finger, mightn't you? So, um, so that can be really kind of either disarming for somebody who's feeling defensive, or, or, um, or actually, if you're feeling defensive, you might then go on the offensive. I guess if you feel like you're being accused of something. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. And those open-ended questions are so incredibly helpful. Um, also, being able to restate in a way that helps the other person know that you've heard them because we're looking for dialogue. We're not looking for monologue. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so then being able to restate even without using the other person's words, you can mix them in there, but giving yourself, I like to take a little bit of a risk. So what I'm hearing here is you're not feeling valued or you're not feeling like you're important to me. And even though the person might have said a whole myriad of other things, um, to take a risk and and then to be able to say, did I get that right? To let them know, like, I'm taking, I'm here, I'm in it with you, I'm trying, mm. I really am trying. Mm. And then to take a stab at what you think you've heard them say, but then to ask and ask for that feedback is incredibly important. It helps the other people feel like, oh, they're tracking with me. They care about what I have to say. It matters to them. Yeah, yeah. And what about uh, listening skills? I mean, is that seems to be the biggest problem with communication in, in my experience? Is 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 one? I know that sometimes I kind of switch off in the middle of a conversation and, and again this is not just with 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 my wife um she's not the only person that i <laughs> i don't listen to properly because yeah, you get distracted don't you so so th- those listening skills um yes yeah, so, i mean i mean how do you how do you help people with that i want to give you a quote first i love this quote if i can get it right and, and not murder it it's something like it's by david osberger and he says listening is so close to being loved that for most people they're almost indistinguishable mm. i love that quote because that's been my experience when i'm working with people coaching is a lot about listening and so i teach people to you can hold your perspective you don't have to agree with another person in order to listen to them. So you can hold it in the background Mm. and push the pause button on whatever it is you have to say, actually push the mute button. Because if I am talking, I am not listening. And so to actually push, and I picture that in my mind when I need it, David, that I push this mute button (laughs) to be able to truly listen. And then I think about, okay, so it seems like here, or it sounds like, and this helps me to stay in a sense of wonder. I wonder what's happening for you right now, because this is way bigger than I thought this conversation was going to be. So helping me to stay in that sense of wonder helps me to listen, Mm. to really hear, to understand, as opposed to just to hear with my ears. 
but to hear with my heart. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I find uh, I find myself um, so I'm I'm somebody who's quite self-aware. I like to think, and uh, and and yet, and, and I really want to hear what the other person's got to say, but I still find myself drifting off. You know, what what can I do to to contain that? internal voice, if you like, that, that, that's going on, that switches into, almost either switches into listening to speak mode or, or just switches off altogether. Are there any practical tactics I can use to, to keep myself mm-hmm. focused on the conversation? Mm-hmm. I would encourage you to, uh, sometimes men find it a little harder to actually look in the eyes, but I find it helpful. And maybe you will too. It tends to raise a man's cortisol levels. And so that's not particularly helpful, but, (laughs) but if you can, I find looking in the eyes is helpful. I find um, thinking about the words that they're saying. Hmm. So staying with the words and trying to understand the words so that I can say it back. So, so staying with the words so that I can remember to be able to bring it back to them. So that helps me to listen and helps me to focus. And I hope that's helpful for you. I think that's incredibly helpful to be able to, uh, to stay with the conversation and to truly listen to what's being said. Yeah. Yeah. I don't feel like I'm, uh, uh, you know, I, I, I hope that the, the people don't notice. I don't think it happens a lot, right? But when it does happen, I become very conscious of it because, you know, that I, I, I want to know that people are, are being heard. And, and this is not just a kind of in a kind of a personal relationship perspective. This is also at work. It's so important for people to to know that they're, Views have been heard. You know, even if you need to make a decision which doesn't necessarily go with what somebody else wants to do, you know, as long as other people have feel like they've been heard, and I know this applies to me. So if I feel like I've been heard, and yet a different decision is made, I can think, okay, well, fair enough. I've had a fair crack. I've been able to make my point. Um, and people know. People know if if you're not listening deep down, <laughs> don't they? People know you're not listening. And here's something else, David, but this might be more in a personal context. Um, My husband gave my, so we have three girls. He gave our daughters and myself permission, which is an interesting word, (laughs) but, but it's helpful because in this context, because he gave us permission to say, okay, when you see this, tell me, okay, because I know that I'm doing it, but I miss, I miss it. Yeah. And I know you're telling me I do it, but I miss it. It was incredibly helpful for both my daughters and for my husband, because he got to learn what it is that he's doing that's causing him to check out and what it is that he's doing that helped him to see, oh, this, this is the moment right here. Mm. This is the look on my face that you're getting. And you're, this is what you're seeing. And this is the look I'm giving. And that was incredibly helpful. So perhaps in a personal context, I'm not so sure that that would work in a work context, although it very well might if people mm-hmm. say you don't listen to me um to say i hear what you're saying that you're not listening but you know what i want to be honest with you i don't know exactly what it is that i'm doing that's giving off giving you that sense that i'm not listening can you help me the next time i do that you tell me check in with me yeah and i, I to 
to be honest, Dan, I think whether it's at home or at work, especially if you're in a leadership uh, a role, it's so important to be uh, to be humble. It's so important to be vulnerable enough to be open to that feedback, and uh, and so I think what the, that advice is brilliant. It applies equally and. Um, Asking for three hundred and sixty feedback shouldn't just be as part of a you know you know filling in a profile or a kind of the annual performance review in a work context. It should be uh, all the time, you know, because that's a relationship. That's beautiful, David. Cool. That's beautiful. Okay, so yeah, we're we're yeah. agreed on that. That's good. <laughs> so what I was what I was going to ask you about on the on the personal relationship front is if you're helping. Uh, if you, so you said that that that. Predominantly, it was it was women who come to you uh, in in the first instance, yes. um, and uh, th- that's that's interesting because I think there's a lot of talk about equality, and we started the conversation talking a bit about diversity, <laughs> but there's this the new the, the the new way of looking at it is not necessarily about um, equality; it's about equity. It's about bringing people, you know, recognizing people's differences, but. But but giving them the same opportunity, mm. so I think that's interesting. That you know, and, and we and there are, from an energy point of view, there are different energies behind the two genders, which I think is is interesting. And it's about how we can recognise and respect each other's energies um, and and harness that as a as a force for for good and for better better communication. So, in your uh, uh, personal experience. Um, how, how does your energy and your husband's energy uh, differ and how do you work together <laughs> to bring the best of both worlds? I <laughs> love this question. <laughs> he is a very strong-minded, knows what he wants, knows where he's going. His um, uh, he, he exudes a lot of confidence. He's a great salesman on our farm and he doesn't even know it David, because <laughs> he gets so excited about whatever it is he's excited about. Yeah. So whether he's reading a book on relationships and he's excited about that, he's promoting relationships and health, or whether he's selling potatoes and he's just excited about this variety that's doing well. Uh, so he just exudes this confidence and he has this incredible strength and clarity about him. And so, whereas I am like a softer place to fall. And so if, if my, if our kids need a softer place and a voice, and they need a voice, they need to let, they need someone to listen to them. They're going to come to me because they're going to find me a little bit more patient and no, a whole lot more patient, (laughs) 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 more encouraging and slower. Hmm. I'm just going to slow it all down so that I, and I'm just, whatever else is going on around me, it doesn't matter because my kids are a priority for me. And so I'm just going to slow it all down and I'm just going to sit with you and I'm going to hear what it is that's going on with you. I'm going to encourage, I'm strong encourager. Positivity is my number one strength from strength finders. And so uh, I just love to be able to do that for other people for my kids, especially, and just then empower them and encourage them in what they're doing. Whereas if they need like a little kick in the pants, if they need a boost, if they need a strength, and if they need some clarity around a problem that they're solving and they need someone to tell them like it is, he's going to be the one that they're going to go to because he has incredible competency in that area and, and in that way. Mm, interesting. 
That's good. And yeah, playing to your respective strengths when you've when you've you know, when you're in a partnership or when you've when you've when you're raising a family is uh, is is tough. Uh, but um, but but yeah, powerful if you can if you can get it right. So I mean, do you get people coming to you? Uh, who are the one half of a relationship, and then the other person is not really not really interested. Mm-hmm. Yes, all the time. <laughs> okay, and, and how, how do you how do you advise people then to? Because um, that might not necessarily be, you know, a, a relationship that needs to come to an end. I guess that's just about kind of a position and, and where the other the other person is and perspective. How do you help somebody yeah. who's 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 kind of in a way trying to do it on their own? Yeah, I encourage people to do the process, first of all, because the process is really important because whatever they decide, they want to look back on it and say, either I did everything that I could do and we're in a better place or I did everything that I can do and it's time. Hmm. It's it's the end. I don't promote divorce. It's very painful. But at the same time, I also don't promote abusive relationships and toxicity in relationships. And so the reality is some relationships do need to end and I want them to end as well as they can. And so I help uh, typically if I'm working with a woman, I help her walk through that process. I help her, you know, what we're doing isn't working. So I, I say, if what you're doing isn't working, let's try something different for my women. They're extraordinarily kind. They're, 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 they're slow to change. And so I'll say, let's do an experiment. This didn't work. So let's try something different. And then we work through that. I very little tell people what to do. Mm-hmm. I more often tell people on podcasts what to do. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a coach. Yeah. And I believe that the power is within the person and that it's all there. And I just need to pull it out of the person. I believe that they know themselves so much better. I know nothing when they first come to me. Mm-hmm. And so I am so aware of uh the, the, the necessity to ask really good questions, to pull out of them what's really going on mm-hmm. inside of them and in their world so that they can come up with really good solutions to move forward in the challenges that they're facing. And so often they do the very little. And when I do give advice, I will tell them I'm stepping out of the coach's chair here uh, because this is what I'm seeing and this is what I think you should do. Mm. Very little do I do that mm. because I think it's important to recognize their expertise uh, about their own life and about their own personality and their own strengths and their own situation. Mm. And do you find that? And, Go on. So we do all, I do also have a membership for Christian women. And within that, I do some teaching and training to help them move forward. And this is where we teach the, th- the three C's of pivotal conversations. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Cool. Cause, um, yeah, sometimes it seems to me uh, that 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 people really deep down know the answer, uh, but it's a case of uh, getting some help really with getting the answer out of them. Is is that is that your experience? My experience has been that it's sacred time with a coach. That there's very few places where we can truly be listened to, and there's a lot of places. There's a lot of people talking at us. And not helping us to process what's really happening. And so it's sacred time when we're in the coaches, when I'm in the coach's chair, mm. when somebody opens up their life and their world to me, and I get to hear their story about whatever it is that's going on. And so it's incredibly powerful. 
uh, for them to hear their own voice. And they'll say to me, I didn't know that was in there. Or they'll say, I'll say it back to them. What I just heard you say is, and they'll say, what? I said that? (laughs) Yeah, that's what you said. Because there aren't very many places where people listen to us. Mm -hmm. And who coaches you? (laughs) That's a great question. I am, I have trained with the John Maxwell leadership program as a coach, and I am still with that program. And I continue to be a part of that program because it's so incredibly valuable for me as a coach uh, and as a speaker and trainer as well. Mm. And so, yes, I continue to be a part of that program because of the coaching that I receive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know I find it so, so powerful actually. And, uh, uh, from a from a business perspective, running running a, a company uh, can be quite a lonely quite quite a lonely place. And and like you say, you know, I mean, um, lots of pe- lots of people will listen to you and what, what you have to say. But but um, but but there are some things that you that you you would love to be able to share that are, are perhaps more challenging, uh, particularly at the time when you need to share them. Um, and also then. Um, you know, keep testing those boundaries and and, and stretching your, your your own comfort zone. You know, but being around a coach or in a mastermind with other people who 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 are kind of at your level or perhaps maybe a few steps ahead and and all of that is is so empowering. And this is what we do in our membership too, David. And I just love that. I call it the collective brain where we have people from different walks of life, different areas doing all working on different goals. And yet it's um, it's a beautiful thing to watch the content that we're providing them and watch them grab hold of that content and move forward toward the goal that they're working on. Mm-hmm. So to talk about purpose, um, your, uh, your, your life... Do you believe your life has a a purpose? How do you view that? I well, I am I am a, a I come from a faith background, and so that's really important to me. And I believe my purpose kind of is driven out of that faith background, and so I really search for purpose long and hard. And I remember uh, as a young married mom, really looking for purpose and. I love being a mom and I love having my children and I love being a mom of of little children and watching them grow. That was, gave me a great deal of satisfaction. Uh, But in the midst of that, I knew there was more yet. And so I tried many different things in order to find a niche and to find a place where I was really suited for, equipped to do and um, able And so this is definitely coming out of my purpose, just knowing uh, our, my story and how um, our marriage crashed. I mean, we were, we were in a bad place, David, and just seeing what had, like what had transpired and how we needed these skills that we didn't know we needed and didn't have and weren't equipped. And I don't know where we would have been, where we would be today if we had not, um, change the trajectory of our marriage and our lives. And so, I mean, immediately, the word I would use is compelled. I just felt compelled to share what I've been given uh, to make a difference in other people's lives. And for me, it's, it's only, it's so small if I'm just impacting myself and my family. And it had to be bigger than 
just me and just my marriage and just my family. And so the word is compelled. I just feel compelled to share the good things that have been have been given to me and have been put within me. Yeah. Okay. That's um that's cool because a a purpose um people can get pretty kind of um caught up sometimes with this kind of uh, almost uh, either either feeling a bit inadequate because they don't have a purpose or they haven't found their purpose or uh, um, or whatever. So um, so I believe that a purpose can 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 be anything. It's about having that awareness and listening to those kind of uh, if you like voices. You know, what would you love? You used that phrase earlier on as well as as part of that clarity uh, piece. And uh, yeah, understanding what it is you love, and then and then and then using that as a little kernel or a little seed to go and explore, because um, kind of almost see the the universe as a bit of a big mirror. So if you reflect on what you put out and see what comes back, and and then and then you know what can you create? And I suppose your journey um, sounds really fascinating because you've had that personal experience, you've wanted to share it, and then you find different ways to to create that message and, and and that method of supporting people i mean how many clients do you work with and and and, and how far does it go is it is it local to canada or is it worldwide how does it go how does it work Yes, most of my work is virtual. I have worked locally in our local jail, and I have a program called How to Avoid Falling for a Jerk, um, which um, people who are struggling with addictions or uh, we can all get involved with someone who's not good to us or, or toxic. And so this program is written by Dr. John Van Epp, and I love doing that program. So I run that program virtually as well. Most of my work is virtual, mm-hmm. uh, but I have had the privilege to work in a home for addicts, uh, helping them mm-hmm. uh, support their sobriety as they're getting well, and also in our local jail and partnering with other churches and working with young people as well, all in personal growth and relationship skills. And then, of course, worldwide. And I just love this opportunity to meet with you today, David. And this is just um, so exciting to me that uh, we can meet. You're in the UK and I'm in Eastern Canada and Mm. here we are. And so, yes, my clients are down into the States and out West in, uh, in Western Canada as well. And so we can continue to partner with other people to continue to grow our work and business. Yeah. Cool. Cool. And what's the, um, What's the biggest lesson that you've you've learned then in your in your work? The biggest lesson that I have learned in my work, um, I would say, when it comes to relationships, don't give up too soon. I think sometimes we give up too soon, and I would say that one person can make a difference working on their relationship. It's like a dance, and when one person changes the steps of the dance, it changes the dance, and the other person changes as well, makes those adaptions to in order to have a better relationship. And that's very exciting to me. And that whole theme around if what you're doing isn't working, try something different. And so I still use that in my business as well. If what I'm doing isn't working, just shut that down sooner than later yeah. and don't have too much loss and then continue to and try something different. Sure, sure. And the other thing I would like to add to that, can yeah, I, David? Yeah, of course. Is have good people surround yourself with good people. Yeah, I just think we should never go alone, and I think it's just incredibly valuable to have good people in our lives, uh, whether it's virtually or um, face to face as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it takes that, a team. <laughs> yeah, it definitely does. It definitely does. And so, um, when you're working with people who are um, 
who come to you with a um, what might present as a as a relationship problem. Uh, it, do you ever find those circumstances where the cause is something else, and um, and and if so, how do you help people navigate that challenge? Mm. Uh, the one of the biggest challenges is uh, mental illness of some type uh, in relationships. And I very quickly, um, I'm not a counselor and I'm not a therapist. I'm a coach. And so I very quickly recommend um, people see counselors or therapists, uh, psychologists, because I they will be much better helped. And, and that's one of the biggest challenges that I see that a coach is not well able to deal with. I think they're much better uh, able to, I think it's much better if we stick with, stay within our lane Mm. (laughs) and do uh, the best work that we can do within our lane and partner with other people who are in other lanes to uh, help people get the best help that they can get. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds, uh, sounds like a very good approach. Good. Okay. So, um, I guess I'm interested to hear a bit more about you, Anne, so we can, you know, get to know a little bit more about 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 you. Um, so, what, what do you like to spend your time doing when you're not helping other people with uh, with their relationships? Oh, thank you for that question. I I live in a beautiful place, and I love to get outside and walk and I'm an amateur photographer and so I just absolutely delight in what I see and I love taking pictures and capturing a moment or a scene and then coming back and putting it on the big screen and seeing things that I hadn't actually seen when I was outside Um, just uh, two nights ago as the sun was setting here I was making supper and I had to get my boots on and get outside because the the branches were covered in ice David okay and the sun was setting and they, they were just glistening and sparkling. And I had to capture that picture. That's on my Facebook page. You can go to my Facebook page and see that picture. It was beautiful. Cool, cool. Okay, so you like to get out into the world then by the sounds of it with your camera. Yes, absolutely. Okay, okay. Yeah. And how's family the, life now? And I was going to say the, the the other thing I love to do is to plan events and and moments with my children, our five children and our 11 grandchildren. Oh, wow. And <laughs> so we have two here and two in the neighboring province that aren't too far away and the others are much farther away. So we are all we're already scheming for 2024 to meet with our family uh, in a, a central location and this past summer we met with them here on prince edward island our maritime family and i just love those moments this weekend we're planning a sleepover cool excellent (laughs) it's so much fun to have the grandkids they say the most amazing things (laughs) (laughs) we can learn a lot can't we from uh from younger children i mean how how, what sort of ages are they so they're as young as uh, two, all okay. the way up to eleven. Okay, cool. Mm. Yeah, yeah. They say amazing things. We can learn a lot from just the curiosity and the uh, the innocent questions. And uh, yeah, uh, my 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 children are seventeen and nineteen now. But they they just make me laugh so much. So, so does my wife actually. That's one of one of the gifts of in, in our family is that they're they're all really funny people. And I just love that. <laughs> That's wonderful. Our little um he was 6 at the time. Uh he's 8 now, but uh he said 
he was sitting on Opa's lap. So that's Dutch for grandpa. He was sitting on my husband's lap and mm-hmm. he said, Opa, I want you to take me to the workshop and I want you to make magic sneakers and, and mail us my husband. He looked at him and he said, magic sneakers. I don't know how to make magic sneakers. I don't have a blueprint. And Caleb looked at uh, his mom and he said, what's a blueprint, mom? She said, it's a plan. And he looked at mail as my husband. He said, oh, a plan. And he put his little forehead up against my husband's forehead. He said, there, now you have it. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. Oh, brilliant. Love that. Love that. And yeah, there you go. And the whole thing about faith, you've got to have faith, right? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, faith is really important to to me. And uh, knowing uh, just, you know, the world is chaotic. And just knowing whose I am and who I belong to and who's made me. And that, you know, and I would say to your people, um, you were made on purpose for a purpose and and a reason. And your life is important uh, for other people as well. And there are things that you have to give the world that, that you and I, David, we can't give them because we have different experiences and different people in our lives. And so you're important and valuable and needed mm. in the world. Yeah, yeah, brilliant. Well, Anne, that sounds like a great way to conclude our conversation. So I really want to thank you for, for coming on the show. And uh, and how can people uh, find out more about you and, and get in touch with you if they'd like to, having listened to this? Sure. Well, if you've been listening, we've been talking about Pivotal Conversations, and I have a free gift. Can I give that to your people? Today? Yes, of course. Yeah. Okay. It's a free resource. We call it the seven day challenge. It's to help you get ready for your next pivotal conversation. It's a part of the first C of pivotal conversations. So each day I send out a short video and a simple action step to help you prepare step-by-step for that next pivotal conversation that you've been putting off that you just know you need to have. Uh, So you can go to four better that's the numerical number four better mm-hmm. numerical number forever.com forward slash challenge for better forever.com forward slash challenge. And that really is the best way to stay in touch with me because there you can also sign up for our weekly email. It's called the Tuesday brew with Anne. I love my coffee. <laughs> And we just love, I work with my daughter and together we send out these weekly uh, tips, communication tips so that you can communicate in a way that aligns with your values. Fantastic. Well, that's very kind of you. Thank you, Anne. Really, really appreciate that. We'll put all those details in the show notes uh, so that uh, people can uh, get in touch. Thank you, David. It's been a pleasure to be here on the People With Purpose podcast. Lovely. Been lovely to talk. Thanks so much for coming on. Thanks for listening to People With Purpose. I hope you've enjoyed the show and are enjoying going on this journey. Please remember to like and subscribe and give us a five-star review. Uh, Tell all your friends. And if you're interested in finding out more about any of the things we've covered in this episode of People With Purpose, just get in touch. All the details are in the show notes. Thanks. Bye.